I, with you. Feel free to find a way to your spot. Hey, happy February. Any February fans? Oh, that was loud. In the house? Anybody? Nobody likes February. <laughs> okay, my wife. That's it. Hey, it is good to be here tonight with you guys. Um, and I think it, it's just, it just goes to say, uh, tonight just feels different. I don't know about you, but during worship and just the energy of the room, um, I think it's important to tell you this. What you are feeling right now isn't just like emotions, okay? Like, like the, the thing in the room right now, that's the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit of our God. And so I just think that just is something I need to proclaim tonight and share with you that often in, in good worship sets. Can we just give it up for our team? How phenomenal. In such a good worship set, it, it can be... That thought, oh, these are just my emotions, the keys are just pulling my heartstrings. No, that's, that's, the, that's the presence of God in this room, my friends. But uh, hey, it feels good to be here tonight with you guys. Um, I'm really excited about tonight. We are jumping into our new series, Love is in the Air. I'm really excited about this series. And I actually got some merch on stage here tonight. Um, it's a one-of-one. One. <laughs> I thought it was a photo of him behind me. Arturo, shout out, yep. It's a one-of-one. Yeah, um, starting bid after service, $150. So be first in line to purchase our new merch. But uh, it is good to be here tonight with you guys. Uh, as I said, we are starting our new series, Love is in the Air. And the, and the whole premise of this series is we're, we want to get into the nitty-gritty of dating, of romance, of friendships, of sexuality. And we, and we want to talk about this. Because this is one of the most primary topics for young adults. I think as long as we've been doing this ministry, people ask me every week, when are you going to do a dating series? When are you going to do a dating series? I'm trying to find a shoddy. When are you doing a dating series? So um, the premise of the series isn't so you get a shoddy, but the world is talking about this. Uh, I personally am tired of the world defining dating, defining friendship, defining romance, defining all these things in regards to sexuality, sex, all these things that we need to start talking about as a church more. We need, we need to start going to God's word to see what he has to say about the nuance of relationships. I know you're going to say, Nick, dating is in the Bible. Okay, I understand. Dating, as we know, it's like maybe 100 years old at most. But also brushing your teeth isn't in the Bible either. But you still do it, and it's also necessary for the society you live in. Okay, for now. Okay, for now. We're not in London. But um, so... <laughs> So it, it, it is in the Bible, but this is necessary to talk about because the truth is dating as we know it isn't in Scripture. Friendships even as we know it isn't necessarily in Scripture, but God's wisdom on approaching relationships in general is in Scripture. How to have healthy dynamics between somebody you love is in Scripture. And so these next couple weeks, we want to break down God's wisdom through his word of what to do about friendship. What to do about dating, what to do about being engaged, what to do about being married, what to do if you just don't fit into those categories. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 38, and then as soon as you do that, you're going to want to like bookmark, okay, it's okay to fold the pages of your Bible, or put like a little, that little tab thing, I like cut mine out because I don't know why, but I decided to, but bookmark uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And then Matthew chapter 11. If you just want to kind of reference those, we're going to be jumping around tonight. But I want to lay out some, some ground rules for this series. Is that okay? Lay out some ground rules? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you guys can talk back to me. I'm a human. I'm not a hologram, okay, right? Um, I, want some, I want some ground rules for this series because stuff like this can get messy, okay? Um, first things first, 
I have no interest in just giving you dating advice for 45 minutes every Sunday night. Some of you are like, he's going to talk for 45 minutes? We'll see. I don't know. Only God knows. But I have no interest in telling you the nuance of dating advice and that alone for that amount of time. Okay, advice, good advice alone doesn't change people's life. Okay, God's word through the revelation of the Holy Spirit changes people's lives. And so my desire is to teach God's word to you, okay, and to apply it to our culture, to apply it to how we live today, all right? That's my desire, okay? If you want dating advice, go watch a TED Talk. Nothing wrong with that, but go for it. Um, next thing's next. Uh, this is a shame-free zone, okay? Um, we joke and we do videos about relational and emotional baggage, um, and I'm going to have a little example here tonight, you'll see. But... The truth is, many of us do have emotional and relational baggage. The, the, the relationships we've experienced, the things we've gone through, have caused a lot of trauma and hurt in our lives, and it's a very real thing for us. And so the temptation when talking through the word and sitting in a service like this, the temptation is to begin to believe that you're too far gone, that you messed up too many times, that you just have too, one too many broken relationships, you're not capable of being loved. And I have to remind you tonight, you are not far from the grace of God. Nobody's too far from it. Nobody is outside those limits. Real quick, okay? You want to know, okay, if you're still capable of receiving the grace of God? Do you? It's a really cool test. Are you ready? Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Breathe out. Okay. I'm not a nurse, right? Any nurses in the house, shout out. But um, last time I checked, if someone's breathing, that means they're alive, correct? Okay. So you still are capable of receiving the grace of God. You're alive. Good job. Okay. Last things last. Um, let God speak to you. Through this, through this sermon and through these series, let God speak to you. Don't be nudging your friend, okay? Don't be listening to, like, me talking about toxic relationships and, like, oh, I need to know somebody who needs this podcast. Like, don't be that friend. Don't be that person, okay? Share the podcast, okay? Plug. But let God speak to you. I believe because we're talking through the word and not just advice, not just sound wisdom, whatever, but the word of God, it's applicable to each and every one of us, Right? And even as I may say dating series, you're like, oh, I'm getting on TikTok. I'm getting on my phone. I'm starting. I'm tuning out. Whatever. This isn't for me. I want to invite you that it's God's word, so I believe it is for you. Okay? And limit distraction. If you can't get off your phone during these times, just turn off that phone. Okay? If you're single, you don't have children or, like, a wife or anything, like, you're good. Like, you don't got any responsibilities. Like, you can kick it. Okay? Like, you don't have to be answering text messages. Okay? Like, limit that distraction and lower those barriers and let God speak to you. Okay? Sound good? Those are the ground rules. Are we cool with that? Cool? Okay. Communication is the pillar of relationships, so I need to communicate. All right, guys. Verse 3 of chapter 38 of Psalms. Here we go. It says this, Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds, they, they fester and are loathsome. Because of my sinful folly, I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me. Because of my wounds, my neighbors stay far away. Let me pray for us. Father, you are over all things, and Lord, uh, you're over tonight, and God, I, I pray over my friends in this room as we're beginning this series of talks and messages and sermons that, Lord, uh, your word will just permeate our hearts, that, God, the, by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, 
that we may begin to, begin to see with fresh eyes and, and open minds and, and clear hearts, God, that you're wanting to speak to us. So, Lord, we request that I may get out of the way, that your word may pour forth, and that you may begin to change lives tonight. And we pray. Amen. So uh, we titled this series Love is in the Air, and we're going with like this traveling theme, okay? Um, because we realized that dating and relationships in general have a lot of similarities with travel, okay? Like, think of anything else that gets posted about more on social media than relationships and where people are going or have been, okay? And with both, with traveling, people are taking photos. People are saying, this is where I want to go. This is where I've been. This is where I am currently. Same with relationships. Sometimes people do both. Sometimes people put their relationship, and then they're traveling in the relationship. It's like, whoa, combination right there. Also, uh, with relationships and travel, what I've realized is that people want both for reasons they can't tell you why. They see it on social media or wherever, and if you begin to ask somebody, why do you want to go to this place? Why? They would say, I don't really know. I just saw it a lot, and everybody else was going there. They seem to be enjoying themselves, so I want to go there. And the same could be said about dating in general, that people really don't know why we date, okay? Like, we date because I guess it's fun paying for other people's meals all the time, and I, I guess it's fun getting turned down time and time again with random individuals. Like, I guess it's fun having small talk for the first five minutes over, like, subpar food and sawmill, okay? Like, it's like, what is, why do we want to do it, right? And, and I realized with traveling as well, um, similar to dating, is until you've experienced it and done it, you don't really understand the hype around it. You, 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 there's a lot of hype, but you don't really understand and you want to until you experience it for yourself. You're like, I don't know if this is for me. Got to be honest, right? Like some people, it's like, I don't know if this is for me. Like with traveling, this is the case. Like uh, my wife Sky, when we were dating, she took a trip with her mom to Paris and London. And it was this really cool like lifetime trip for them. It was like two weeks. And Paris is like the place, right? Okay, like Paris is like every, like, I wanna go to Paris, okay? I wanna like eat a baguette under the Eiffel Tower, sip a cappuccino with my LaCroix, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like, I wanna go to Paris. Everyone wants to go to like New York or LA or whatever. And she went to Paris and it was a big bulk of their trip and she came back and was like, how is Paris? Oh my gosh, did you learn how to speak French? Oh, oh wow, wow, like what is, how was it? And she was like, honestly, I thought I was gonna get stabbed the whole time, yeah. Uh, turns out Paris is just like a giant city. It smells like human feces. And the only cool thing is the Eiffel Tower and the art. But besides that, we get dipped out of there, right? Okay. Like, and I remember being like, I've always wanted to go to Paris. And I don't know why I've always wanted to go. I don't really know if I want to go anymore because it doesn't seem that great. Also, similar in dating and traveling is in tra when you travel, the amount of baggage that you bring with you determines how enjoyable the trip is. Uh, even further, the amount of unnecessary baggage you bring on your trip determines how enjoyable it is, okay? All right, if you've ever flown, all right, which is like just God's invention of purgatory, I guess. Like if purgatory was a thing, that's the closest thing, right? It's not, right? Thank God. But purgatory on earth, that's it right there. Um, I hate flying. And nobody wants to check their bags because the airlines are just losing them, okay? Like airlines just don't know how to keep track of the stuff we give them. I don't understand why. You give them your bag, and then you end up like, oh, sorry, we shipped it to Shanghai. <laughs> Our bad. Well, you'll get it maybe. And it's like, I literally trusted you with everything I have, and now I have no clothes. Great. And when you travel through an airport with a heavy bag, it is like the worst. You're like the most miserable person on the trip. 
Nobody wants to be sitting next to you. You know, you're like walking through that tight little line in the airport, like hitting everybody in the chairs, like, sorry, 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 sorry. And then like, you're like putting it over, like stuffing it, right? Like, you know, you're over the baggage limit. You know, you did. You waited at home. You're like, I'm 10 pounds over. Is that big of a deal, right? I need my whatever thing. And like, you're shoving it in there. It's like, you didn't put on deodorant. So you have like this BO and the person underneath you is like experiencing that on your behalf. And it's just a nightmare. Yeah, not my story whatsoever. But The same could be said about a dating relationship. The amount of unnecessary baggage you bring into a relationship determines the health of that relationship. Let's read real quick back to Psalm 38. I'm titling this this talk tonight, Baggage Claim. Baggage Claim. And I want to tell you tonight the first thing when you're understanding what it means to date as a follower of Jesus, when you're understanding what it means to just even pursue the idea of relationship, the first thing you need to do is you need to check your baggage. Check your baggage. The truth is we all got emotional baggage. Um, It's like butts, okay? Everyone's got one, right? Yep. Everyone's got emotional baggage. Everyone's got relational baggage. Everyone's got some burden to bear in life. That's inevitable. As we read tonight from the psalmist David, he breaks down the baggage and the burden he is carrying. See, King David uh, wrote a lot of the psalms. It's the biggest book in the library of scripture, technically. And the psalms are fascinating because they're poetry. They're, They're this nuanced, tense collection of books that are very descriptive, but not always prescriptive, okay? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, they're very descriptive. They describe a lot, and it's David expressing how he feels, but doesn't mean it's how you should prescribe your walk with Jesus. You shouldn't always prescribe what happens in the Psalms to the way you follow Jesus. Example, um, David says, dash the little heads of my enemies' children on stones. Blessed is he who does that. Okay, last time I checked... Read my Bible, like, maybe this morning, okay? Like, um, Jesus and killing children that you, people you don't like, not really a part of his way of life, okay? Like, that's in the Psalms, okay? But we need to understand that there's, there's tense, tension in truth, okay? There, there, there's nuance, and we have to understand when we're reading the Psalms, the full context and canon of Scripture and the character of God, okay? So, so don't read one Psalm and be like, Okay, I'm just going to read this, and wherever I end up, Lord, it's where my wife is. Let's go. Okay, um, Psalm 42, 4. You're my king and my God, who decrees victories over Jacob. Through you, we push back our enemies. Through you, your name will trample our foes. Okay, that's about my ex-girlfriend right there. There. Amen, Lord. Speaking that over my life. No, it's not the way it works. Full context, okay? And we understand Psalm chapter 38 David is either writing in the timeline of his life, either at the end of his life, because he's describing such intense sickness and pain he's dealing with, or he may be writing at the end of 2 Samuel. Because if you remember in the end of 2 Samuel, anyone remember the whole book? Just kidding. Um, For word for word, in the end of 2 Samuel, if you remember, um, David sins against God, and God sends pestilence, gives David options of how to be punished, and he sends pestilence on Israel. So this could be where that psalm is written. We're not too sure, but either of those options. And this is an interesting psalm because David is describing the perspective of going through suffering because of his sin. And this brings up an interesting question. Does God punish us when we sin? This this is like the stuff we don't want to talk about on a Sunday night. Like this is the stuff like preachers avoid and like go around. Because I wish I could say like no, because it, it can get confusing and strange if it's God's good. Why does he allow these hard things to happen to me? Am I doing something wrong? 
Understand this, my friends. When it comes to God punishing his people, it takes connection for confrontation, okay? That's just like a good interpersonal relationship thing, okay? God is connected to people he confronts. Never in life and never in the scriptures at any point in time is somebody punished by God or the wrath of God who doesn't know God or has not been warned by God, okay? So get it out of your head, your friend that got on that horrific car accident, somebody you know whose kid got cancer, right? Just random, life, terrible stuff. Don't think all of a sudden like, yeah, maybe it's because they didn't text me back that God allowed that to happen. No, that is not the case, okay? Anytime God confronts, he has connection to and that it's something that is much deeper as simply you did something bad and now God is mad at you, right? Even deeper, here's, here's a better way to explain it, okay? God only disciplines his own children, okay? Like, to be a child of God is to accept the way of Jesus. John chapter 3 tells us that, right? We're all made in the image of God, but not everybody is a child of God, right? Once you accept that God as father, then you're his child, okay? So you only are disciplined by your father, all right, so I'm a dad, shout out, that's amazing, I love it, right? And my current best friend, my current, like, he's, he's on the list for now, we'll see, but my best friend, Santi, he just had a daughter as well, okay? So I have a son named Wesley, and Santi has a daughter named Florence, all right? So what if, when they're older, hypothetical scenario, they're like two months old, each of them, so they're so little, but um, in the future, let's say Florence is misbehaving because we're all humans, and I, and I just slap her hand, in front of Sati. It's like, first of all, you probably punch me in the mouth. But also, like, like that's weird. Like, you don't discipline other people's kids. You let them do that. I want to discipline other people's kids sometimes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Middle of Buca de Beppo. Sit your child down, okay? I'm going to discipline Wesley because he's my son. I believe in spanking. I was spanked. Now I respect my mom. Easy, right? I, I, I believe in discipline, not abuse, not mindless violence against my son because I hate him for the sake of just it's fun for me. To, discipline, to correct him in his way. I wouldn't do it to anybody else's kid but my own kid. The same is true for the heart and character of God. So this could be a potential situation that David is facing, that he did something wrong. God warned him time and time and time again. He acted in outward opposite rebellion to God, and he received God's wrath. Or it could be that David is facing such intense guilt and burden over his son, it makes him feel sick. You ever feel this way? Like you did something you know you shouldn't have, and it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I just got punched in the stomach, or I feel like I'm about to go on that like crazy roller coaster at Cliffs, and I just got off. Like, I just feel sick. I just feel like awful as a person. This is very real for the human condition. This, this is the conscience of guilt. This is very real. No matter what, sin, missing the mark, falling short, doing wrong, creates burdens in our lives. Either it's sins we commit against God, against ourselves, against others, creates guilt and shame, or it's sins other people commit against us. And this is important to understand, and this is the takeaway that we have from this psalm, is that no matter what, everybody's got baggage. Since the fall of creation between Adam and Eve, grandpa and grandma, we are experiencing the default of humanity in a fallen nature. Things are messed up. People do terrible things. Life isn't as it should be. Things kind of suck sometimes. 
That's the sin nature of humanity. And because of that, it perpetuates these burdens and this baggage we have to carry around with ourselves. So it's inevitable. It's going to happen to each and every one of us. If you have no baggage yet, let's talk. I want to know how you did that. And two, it's going to happen eventually. And so we do two things usually when this takes place. We either stuff it down, don't talk about it, pretend we're good, come to something like this, come to Connect Group. How was your week? Good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. Nothing. Yeah, good. Why are you asking so much? Stop asking me. Right? We stuff it down. We pretend we're good. We don't want to let anybody in. Maybe we let people in the past. It hurt us. It frustrated us. So we're good. We put up a barrier. So we stuff it or we dump it. We either stuff it down or we expect one person to carry our baggage for us. We expect one person. We just dump it on that one person. This is one of the most unhealthy things I've witnessed about people entering into relationships. It could be a friendship. It could even be a romantic relationship. But believing that somebody else alone entirely can bear your baggage for you. That the unresolved, unnecessary baggage that you've accumulated as a human, which is normal, by the way, you expect to just toss onto somebody else. But there, there's a problem with this. There, there's, there's something that begins to happen, and, and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to tell you. This doesn't work, the second option, which is the more popular option. We, we like to put our stuff onto other people. It feels like the right choice. It feels like the right choice when you're going through a hard time to just dump something entirely on somebody else not ever really deal with it for yourself, not take it to the Lord, and just to expect them to kind of carry it after coffee, after you talked about yourself for three hours, and you're like, oh, I feel so much better. It's like, it feels good, but it's not the proper response because we're all going somewhere. We're all going somewhere. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is the Apostle Paul, New Testament. Do not know that in a race all the runners run. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So the Apostle Paul has been communicating to this church for the past chapter what it means to live out in self-discipline the walk of Jesus. That, That if you want to follow Jesus well... Not if you want to get to heaven, not if you want to whatever. Like, if you just want to follow Jesus well, if you want to receive those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, it requires some sacrifice. It requires giving up some things. It requires stepping out of some areas of life you previously did, but you can't anymore. Paul is giving a sports analogy here. The Olympics start in Greece, right? Anybody an Olympian in the house? Maybe next time. Just kidding. So the Olympics start in Greece. Everybody knows the Olympics, right? And at this time, we know the podium, right? So you have like first place, then you have second place, then you have third place, gold, silver, bronze, yeah, 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 swimming, first, second, third, right? So like, that's what we know. At the time of Paul during the Olympics, there was no second or third place. There was just first place, right? As it should be. If you're not first, you're last, okay? Mario Kart. Um, Skylar knows because we play all the time. But you would get a little wreath, and that was it, right? But here's the thing about anybody that's really good at something. It requires, you, you know people in life that are good at stuff, right? Like, like maybe you, you work out with a buddy, and he's just like always pushing up like huge numbers, right? 
Like, like you're working out with a friend, you're spotting him on bench, you're like, I don't even know if I could get this off of him if he drops it, right? Like, and he's not on steroids, okay? Like, right, you're like working out with a friend and they're always doing well, right? Maybe you have a friend who's a really talented artist, like, like they're really good with painting canvases, or maybe they're really good with graphic design, or a really good photographer. Or maybe you have a friend or, or somebody you know that is really doing well in their career. Somebody who excelled in college and then, and then is just crushing it and just doing amazing, right? You, you want to know how they got there, how they did that? They didn't do it like just like showing up one day and saying, okay, I'm just going to bench press 350 pounds. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Right? Like, like people don't just like get through college with like a PhD 3.9 GPA and then crush it in their career just because they felt like it one day. Like people don't do well in things just for no reason. Anybody that does well in any area, there's somebody who sacrifices there's somebody who, who, who's the guy who's going to the gym, he sacrificed sleeping in to wake up at 4.30. Can't relate, okay? Wesley wakes me up at 5. That's about as much as I could do. Go back to sleep, right? Like the person who does well and who's a gifted artist, they spent meticulous hours painting and practicing their brushstroke instead of scrolling TikTok, right? Like, like people who did well in college, like skipped the party every Saturday or Friday night and stayed studying. Like to be good at something requires sacrifice, and Paul is saying, if you want to live out your Christian faith the best you possibly can, if you want to have just this, when you get to heaven, it's like, I just, I went all in for God. I, I, I messed up, I failed, I, I did the things I shouldn't have, but I know I gave it everything I had. It's going to require sacrifice. And, and this is what Paul is detailing to his Corinthian church. But there, there's something that becomes confusing. Paul is, is mentioning judgment. And so you begin to think and read this. It's like a teacher when they say, okay, there's a quiz at the end of the class. Every time this verse is talked about, that's like how the audience feels. It's like, wait, uh, uh, if I get to heaven right now, am I going to have to like memorize all of Psalms or something? Like, I don't know I'm going to get judged by Jesus. So there's two judgments. And the first judgment is the white throne judgment. And that's found in Revelation 20. And that's a judgment that is faced for unbelievers. It's not a judgment for believers from the belief and standpoint of Calvary Church. It's not the belief that, okay, you did really good in this life, and maybe if you can impress Jesus and do like 40 push-ups, maybe you don't get the white throne judgment. We'll see. No, that's not the case. So Paul is talking about a different judgment. You can find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And this is known as the Bema Seat judgment. And, and this judgment is God judging Christians on how faithful they were in life. That we will receive heavenly rewards, not salvation, okay? You gave your life to Jesus, you committed to him, he's your Lord and Savior, you're good, okay? I don't believe you can lose your salvation, right? I'm just going to say that. Like, oh, where's my salvation? Can't find it today. I don't know where it is. That doesn't happen, okay? It's not yours, right? God, right? So at the, this judgment, we are judged and given heavenly rewards based upon how faithful we were in life. Now, this is the metric and standard for a follower of Jesus. And it's not a metric and standard measured by the world, measured by popularity, but if you stayed faithful to what God called you to. This is what, yeah, amen. That's good stuff, man. This is what Paul is detailing. So this is what he says. He says, we are all in a race. We are all in a race. The reality is that even if you're following Jesus or not, you are running towards something. You are chasing after something. Follower of Jesus or not, you're chasing after ideology. You're chasing after a certain image of yourself that you want to be like. You're chasing after a goal. Everybody's running towards something. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be. 
But as followers of Jesus, us especially, we are running after the character of Jesus. We're following after him. And get this, nobody can run your race for you. Nobody can live out your faith for you, my friend. Don't, can't, your parents can't do it for you. There's no grandkids in the kingdom of God, okay? Like your friend who brings you every week and your friend who, they can't do it for you. You are tasked to run the race of faith in this life. You got to do it. It's not like a, uh, where you pass off the baton. It's like, oh, now I can like take a break from like running the race of faith and maybe like do this like deconstruction thing and like go over here, atheism. Okay, I'm going to get back to the race of faith. Here we go. It's like, no, you're running the race of faith. You're set and this is tasked before you. And so when understanding this, this is why it is so unhealthy and not a good sign when we have undealt emotional baggage that we dump onto other people to deal with in our, in our stead, in our place, right? Like, it, it, it's not a good thing to try to run carrying a bunch of heavy stuff. Like, it, it's just not, you're just not going to run as well as you could. To, to explain this, I have these bags up here. I know you've been waiting. Have you been waiting? What are these for? Okay, you've been waiting. Good. Okay, so we're going to have Peter Siminski come on stage real quick. Peter, come on up. Give up for Peter. I texted him a week ago. We've known each other uh, since high school. Uh, Peter, Peter's a runner, okay, like a real runner, not like you with your two-mile whatever thing, okay? Like, he's a real runner. Um, what's your mile time again? Like, your all-time mile time? Uh, my PR is 4.33. Okay, yeah, so nobody in this room. I don't know if anybody can do that. Okay, so Peter's a runner, right? Was on point about the sacrifice. You got to do that to make sure. Okay, I'm on base. Good. Okay, so could you run for us real quick and just, like, run across stage? <laughs> yeah, woo! He's single, ladies. Let me just say that right now. It's a good pace. Okay, so he's a good runner, okay? He's got good pace. But what if I were to give him, and these are actually heavy bags, okay? Like, there's like, like, can you hear this? Like, okay, that's like, <laughs> that's like some real stuff in there, okay? So this is what happens when you're entering into a relationship with somebody, and you're both running the race of faith, right? But then you give them your undealt with emotional baggage, okay? So let's say in this scenario, Peter's about to get in a relationship, and then here's the first undealt emotional baggage of the person, right? So this is like, I don't know, the person's like still attracted, to their ex, never got over them, okay? So that's the first baggage I'm dealt with. Have fun with that, Peter. Uh, here's the next thing. Um, this person, they can't take responsibility for their own actions, and so due to the family origin that they grew up in, it just is a huge issue for them, but they just expect getting a boyfriend would solve that all. So the next thing is they have this unrealistic expectation that everybody is going to have, like, the bank account of Jeff Bezos and the body of, like, a Hollywood movie star. Super unrealistic, but good luck, Peter. Okay, run the race, bro. Run your faith out. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Couldn't do it for long, right? Thank you, bro. You're amazing. That, that, that is what goes on and transpires when we take the emotional, undealt baggage in relationships and transfer it on to the other person. We hinder the other follower of Jesus from being able to fully pursue and chase after Jesus as well as they could. It, it, it's that simple. It, it's, it's not complex. It's not crazy. It's it's if you don't deal with this stuff, if you don't put it somewhere, you're going to end up dumping on somebody. And they are going to be at the consequence of your actions. And so if this is the case, uh, and we all got baggage, okay? Some of us, it's very real. Some of us, the last relationship we were in, we dumped that baggage onto them, and now we have even more baggage. And now, and now we, we, 
we feel frustrated. So where do I take my baggage, God? So I'm just going to stuff it down, that first option. And it doesn't work to give somebody else your baggage entirely and to entirely rely on them to supply your needs. You complete me, right? This is what I hear at weddings. Like, I'm like, what, are you, what, are you, what kind of theology is that? You complete me? What? Because it, it's, it's like using somebody for something they were never meant to do. It's like if I took my nice little iPhone 12, okay, and I t- went home and I was like, this would be a great doorstop, and I threw it in my entryway, would it be a doorstop? Could it stop the door? Yes, it could, okay? But it wouldn't do it for very long, and it wouldn't be serving its original purpose well, right? Like if I went home, kicked off my Converse, got some tissue boxes, threw them on my feet, rocked around the house, could they be some house slippers? Maybe, but they wouldn't last long, and they wouldn't be able to fully serve the function they were made for. This is the same as when we expect others to carry our burdens for us entirely. And I'm not talking Galatians 6, right? Carry one another's burdens. That context of that verse is talking about in the community of followers of Jesus amongst many people and through the Holy Spirit and discerning individuals. I'm talking about when you get in a relationship, you have undealt with stuff, and you just expect it to go away. It's not going to go away. It's going to be carried, and somebody's going to end up carrying it unnecessarily. And so turn with me now. We're, with Matthew 11, back to Matthew 11, and we're going to answer that question. Okay, where do I put my burdens? What do I do with this baggage and this weight I've accumulated? Where does it go? Because it has to go somewhere, okay? Stuff just doesn't just disappear. Time heals all wounds. Eh, don't know about that, okay? There's wounds we have. There's burdens we carry, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, I got burdens. I got weight. I got, I got stuff. It's almost like I wish there was somebody who had, like, Unlimited second chances for me and ability to forgive my sin and never runs out of grace or patience, can just, like, deal with my stuff. Like, oh, I wish that guy existed. Oh, wait, he does. His name's Jesus. Like, right? And, and this is why I'm teaching on this to followers of Jesus because I believe we're adopting a method of the world and interpreting it into our dating relationships and even our friendships. The world, all, all secular society has to rely on is other people. That's it. Like, like all outside these doors that we have, if there's no God, nothing, it's just other people, and hopefully they can help figure it out for us. But as followers of Jesus, we have this entire ability to tap into when it comes to giving Jesus our burdens. So then you ask the next question, okay, how? Right? All the engineers in the room are like, how, how, why, how? Right? Like, How? How do you give God your burdens? Cute words, Jesus. How do I do it? Right? How you give God your burdens is revealed in Jesus' words here in verse 29. We like verse 28. Okay? So sweet. Like, this is like bumper sticker, coexist vibes. Like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Mm. And then people stop there. You've probably seen people with that tattoo. There's not verse 29. Okay? Like, it's all, like, old and green, like, right? But then verse 29, not so popular. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying, adopt my way of life, and it will relieve your burdens. Take me for all that I am, my teachings, my views, my be- everything, and I will relieve your burdens. Jesus is using somewhat of an agricultural analogy. Anybody go to NMSU? Nobody. Okay. Oh, yeah. Woo! Josiah, my guy. Um, agriculture, you know, NMSU, big thing. But Jesus is speaking to an audience that would be very backgrounded in, like, farming, a bunch of cowboys, okay? Like, they know what Jesus is talking about. We, we don't really use yokes. We use tractors, okay? Right? Like, what Jesus is talking about is there's a few different versions of this. There's, like, two yokes of oxen, which you've probably seen. You've probably seen, like, two cows. Shout out cows. Shout out milk, okay? Like, you've seen that. And then there's, like, a human yoke. Okay, I found this photo, and it might be the next style of 2023. I don't, is it Jebediah? Yeah, that's my guy Jeb. Yep, that's like a human yoke, okay? He's got riz. I just can sense it from the photo. So, like, that's a human yoke, okay? And, and the weight is dispersed in modern times, right? I don't even know when this, I mean, it looks digital. I guess that's a real person. But, like, in modern times, in developing countries, they still use this method to relieve a burden. You would disperse the weight. You would disperse the weight through a yoke. And Jesus is even speaking further that at the time in Jewish culture, each teacher had their yoke. It would be the way they interpreted the Torah, the the way they interpreted God's law and how they applied it. In Jeremiah 5, it talks about the word of God being a yoke that the people of Israel broke off. I was about to say we could take Jeb down. But Jesus is saying, if you want to have burden free, if you don't want to have to carry it all the time, if you want to walk in freedom, it's more than just thinking Jesus is a cool guy. It's more than thinking like, man, he had some some cool things to say. He seemed really nice. Jesus is saying, no, it's so much more than that. It's believing me for all that I am is Jesus' invitation here. And recently, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me that telling me, Nick, you haven't believed me for all that I am. You You haven't trusted my words for all that they are. I'll read a philosophy or I'll read some theory in psychology. It's good stuff, but I'll sometimes read these things and then begin to believe, and they contradict the words of Jesus. And I was like, maybe maybe Jesus is a little archaic. This was a long time ago, and maybe Jesus, maybe his words weren't. Like, this this wouldn't work in modern society, Matthew chapter 5. Like, love your enemies? What are you talking? I don't know, Lord. And I felt that this conviction pressed down on my heart that, in the areas of my life that I haven't submitted entirely to the way of Jesus is where I'm most burdened. I've tried carrying on my own. I've tried transferring it to people. I've expected other people to figure it out for me. Instead of entirely trusting in and leaning in fully to God's word and his character, I've tried to figure it out for myself. And so here's the invitation tonight. Take Jesus' words seriously. That's simple, but I mean it. Like you read, right, and talk about it in connect group. Listen to sermons. Read commentaries. Understand the theology, right? Like read your Bible. Like, but like when Jesus says something, he means it. When Jesus says, if you live out my way, right, like in, in the first century church, it wasn't Christianity. It was the way. Doesn't that sound cool? Mandalorian. But like the way. Like it was like a way of life. 
that, that following Jesus and his teachings reinterpreted all of people's worldview. It wasn't a fish on someone's car. It wasn't a Sunday morning, Sunday night thing. It wasn't a cool playlist. It was like all of what life encompassed, from dinner to how we interacted with people to how we treated them to our friendships to our romantic relationships, like the way of Jesus encompassed all of it. So my invitation to you is take Jesus' words seriously. I don't believe that by you simply just memorizing scripture that all of a sudden like all of your emotional baggage is going to go away, but I believe that you can begin to understand through reading the words of Jesus who you are and who you're not. Come on. Like, like some of us are living under an identity and a way of life. It's just not you. It's not even what Jesus wants you to be. It's, it's something that you've made up in your head about yourself. And instead of taking the words of Jesus seriously and living into this reality of like, Lord, I am who you say I am when you wake up in the morning. We get on social media. We look at the texts we sent last night. We look at the things we did yesterday. We let those interpret who we are. But when we study and live out the words of Jesus, it's not a competition to show how good we are at following him. It's like, no, I need to be living out these words because I need to be reminded of who I am. That's a text a friend sent to me. It convicted the heck out of me. He was like, hey, are you remembering who you are and who you're not today? I was like, oh, good morning. Like, right? Remember who you are and who you're not. And you can only do that through understanding the words of Jesus. Other things can hint at it. Other things have been searching and looking for God. All of history, we've been searching for God, by the way. We, try, we tried finding God in the stars. We, we tried finding God in idols and temples. We tried finding God in drugs. We tried finding God in science, right? There's, there's hints of who he is, but who he is is revealed in the character of Jesus. You don't need to look any further. You don't need to add anything. It, it's Jesus. So my invitation to you tonight is this. Just remember who you are, my friends. And this is true for us who have accepted and desired to follow Jesus. But I'm not stupid. I know there are some of us in this room who have not accepted this. There's some of us in this room who we are so adverse to the way of Jesus. We are so adverse to the teachings of Jesus. I just want to ask, how is carrying your own stuff been going for you? No shame, right? Shame-free zone, rule number two, okay? Or one, I can't remember. But, right? No shame, but seriously, how, how is it going? I remember how it felt to carry all of the burdens of my relational guilt. All the stuff I shouldn't have done, all the people I saw, all this stuff. I remember how it felt to bear that down. Made me want to kill myself, seriously. It's not something that we're meant to carry for long. You can only deal with this stuff through the way of Jesus. And so tonight, I want to invite you into that. I don't do this often, okay? You can ask anybody, all right? Like, I don't do the hand-raising, the thing often. I don't do the coming to the front all the time. But, like, I'm not going to make you come to the front. Sorry. But, like, I don't because I think it can become monotonous for some people. But I believe and I sense the conviction that I need to extend the invitation tonight. I can't talk about burdens and relational stuff and all this if there's some of us in this room who have not surrendered fully to Jesus, right? So let's bow our heads to give individuals privacy, but... I just, want to, I just want to ask you, if you're in this space tonight, maybe you followed Jesus at one point, and then you totally went away from him. Maybe you're somebody who's just totally never even had anything to do with him, but you want to invite him into your life tonight. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Okay, I'm the only one looking, right? And what this is, is it's, it's not a thing that saves you or this or that. It's saying, 
I need help. It's like raising your hand in class as a kid or if you're homeschooled to your mom, right? Like you're saying, I need help. This is, this is your sign right here that you're saying, Jesus, I have not made you Lord of my life and I want to. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, okay? And, and I'm going to pray for you and repeat this prayer after me. We're going to do what we did at Holy Spirit night, what, what Sky led us in. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I come to you a sinner. Lord, I have fallen short. I want to hand my burdens to you. God, I want to let go of my past and live into the future I have for me. I believe you died on a cross and I believe you resurrected three days later. Please be Lord over my life. Amen. Amen. We can give it up for those that committed that. Hey, if you raise your hand, let's have a conversation. Let's chat after service. We want to get a Bible in your hands. We want to have some conversation. We want to get you plugged in. We don't want to just raise your hand so I can text somebody, this many numbers happen. Like, I, we want you to be connected to lift these burdens. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer and worship. Find somebody if you need to talk to them. We have our team around the room. But begin to, to go before the Lord in this and begin to lay your burdens at his feet. Sound good? All right, let's worship. All right, if y'all want to take.